two, one. Welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast. We're your hosts, Attorney A.D. Winters, founder and managing attorney of VeteransDefender.com, and Dr. Dolores Tarver, licensed psychologist. For more information about our podcast, go to at In Our Own Defense on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or email us at inourowndefense at gmail.com. Our mission is to share truths, create dialogue that increases our listeners' awareness and the development of a holistic plan which incorporates mental, physical, spiritual, financial, and intellectual wellness. Dr. Tarver? The information provided during the In Our Own Defense podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for the knowledge, skill, and judgment of qualified mental health or medical health care professionals. Instead, all information, content, and information materials available on this site are for general informational purposes only. Well, welcome to another episode of In Our Own Defense, Dr. Tarver. Listen, this is a really, really exciting show. We have two talented, passionate, and purpose-driven providers uh, joining us today who are going to help us uh, to address this toxicity, this too much toxicity. I just know in the military, it was a buzzword that people were using all the time. It's, oh, that's toxic leadership, or that's toxic this. Uh, what, what have you been noticing in, in society as re regarding toxicity? Good to see you, Attorney Winners, as always. And um, this is right up my alley because so much has been happening just here in the state of Georgia. Um, and, and you all have probably seen the viral videos that have gone around. You all may remember 26-year-old uh, Sydney Parham uh, and her setting her, we're not sure if this is her partner or somebody that she was involved in a relationship with at some time but actually igniting his Jeep on fire in the parking lot. That video went, went viral. Um, we have a 21-year-old, um, Tatiana Phillips here in Atlanta, who rammed her vehicle in the back of her daughter's father's vehicle, killing their infant daughter. Uh, and, and of course, nobody can um, even get past in Columbus, Georgia, uh, essentially what was a hit that was put out on a couple, the uh, co-parent, the female co-parent in the couple put a hit out on her uh, child's father's girlfriend uh, and solicited the help of three other, or three men rather. And they literally shot this woman in the head and kicked, they kidnapped her and killed her um, mm -hmm. because she had been stalking him, wanting him to end this relationship and he had moved on. So those are several examples uh, of, of women who have struggled with either relationships ending or uh, misunderstandings of the dynamics of relationships. And I, I think nobody has forgotten R. Kelly um, and uh, that documentary that was done on him, Surviving R. Kelly, um, and how, how toxic those relationship patterns that we learned about were. So this is a topic we can't escape from, whether it's in our own local communities or uh, with our celebrities. So I am very excited um, for us to be talking about it. What have you seen with regard to some of these dynamics? I mean, I think naturally those are uh, three of the, you know, those examples that you alluded to. And then the, the, those uh, two surviving shows um, were definitely toxicity. I think um, just within the annals of the history of this country, we, we, we have so much fake bravado and one-upsmanship with the negativity that it's just everywhere, 
about everywhere you go. Anything you do, the music is toxic. The, the energy becomes toxic. And then people, we're on an enormous amount of pressure. Even if you just watch the news, everything is so much vitriol. And the, the, someone just, back when I grew up as a kid, it felt like we were just getting the news. It felt like when you read the newspaper, you were just getting the news. People yeah. were going out and giving you news entertainment, whether in sports, and that was news. And that was all you're going to get. Now, everything has a slant. Everything has an angle. And it's just constant barrage of why this side is wrong and why that side is wrong. And that just it perpetuates itself through everyday life, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, economic issues, banking, um, and then people have, you know, now people have enough strength to be toxic back or, or stand up for themselves. And so it's just a bunch of negative space that we're all experiencing. Oh, by the way, we still have a whole pandemic to live through. We got, <laughs> got an upcoming election of all these local officials and, and the presidency um, that we've got to kind of turn the ship, uh, you know, turn the tide on some of this energy but i'm excited about this show because we get to finally unpack what is the toxicity how is it how is it bad how is it uh, reverberating to cost the money now see this toxicity it's now costing you money people are saying i'm not going there if they are racist i'm not going to a place if they are sexist bigoted and so i think that's why it's so important to have these two talented providers to help us unpack this uh, and if you don't mind, let's welcome uh, them to the show, uh, and I'll introduce uh, Dr. Ogantala. Um, so our first guest, Dr. Adekemi uh, Ogantala, frequently called Dr. Obar, patients is a team physician who works in a busy HMO as a private practice, uh, improving communication and uh, connection between teens and their families. She completed her graduate education at UC Berkeley and her medical degrees from uh, what is now uh, Drexel University and, and completed both her pediatric um, residency at St. Christopher's Hospital for Children, both in um, Philadelphia. Um, and then she graduated, uh, she got her uh, added adolescent medicine fellowship at Stanford University. Um, she is an author, speaker, mother of two, believes that decoding behavior and improve uh, emotional health are powerful tools, as we always try to put these tools in our um, in our listeners and viewers uh, toolkits, uh, and she wants people to know that better, uh, know themselves better so they can uh, do better, know better so they can do better. Uh, that's a montage. If you'd be so kind, could you introduce Dr. Uh, Matt Smith? It is my sincere pleasure to introduce Dr. Matt Smith, who is a licensed psychologist. He obtained his doctorate degree in clinical psychology from the Forest Institute of Professional Psychology. Dr. Smith provides individual, couples, and family therapy to adults and adolescents. His areas of interest include depression, which I think a lot of people are experiencing right now, anxiety and stress management, relationship difficulties, divorce issues, grief and loss, and men's issues. He works from a cognitive behavioral perspective and an interpersonal approach. All that means in layman's terms is he's working on these good skills for people mm -hmm. to learn. Uh, and the goal of his work is to help individuals identify and change some of those maladaptive behavior patterns that they've developed and have more balanced attitudes toward themselves and others. He wants them to have satisfying relationships and improve their ability to manage stress and anxiety. 
He focuses on increasing a client's self-awareness and assist them in establishing new ways to cope with their difficulties that are consistent with the client's personal values and beliefs. So welcome, welcome. Welcome to, to the show. Both of you, Dr. Okagala and, and Dr. Smith, we are super excited to have you here. Appreciate the invite. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Dr. Tarvey, you would you like to start us with the questions? You're so kind. Thank you so much. Uh, so we're going to just jump right on in this, guys. Uh, we have been looking forward to this. And, and before the show, we're just talking about toxicity and how it expands across so many areas. Um, but we think it's important to start this dialogue with just let's talk about some familial patterns, because I don't think you can talk about how we got toxic if we don't mm -hmm. understand the roots of where some of these behaviors come from. And we know that a lot of times we learn these things from our families of origin. Um, the people that showed us our first relationships, the first people we were in relation with whom we were in relationships growing up. So can you guys just kind of help unpack for us how you feel like the family of origin um, and these familial backgrounds and experiences might set the stage, if you will, for us developing later toxic behaviors? Dr. O, okay. Oh, that's so nice of you. <laughs> um, you know, frequently when people come to me with a complaint about their teen, and I just, you know, this is just one point of entry, for example. Um, but they'll have a complaint about their teen. Their teen is doing something that really is not productive, is maladjusting, doesn't indicate that they have any sense of what they need to accomplish, what they need to, to do. Um, they don't realize, one, that they're describing anxiety or depression, one. Two, they don't realize that the patterns are actually stemming from what they have actually taught them. So the way teens work is that they, re they are responding to how they are being treated. And so that means that invariably when somebody comes to me and they say something about their teen, it means that I have to do a bit of education about how they were raised is showing up in their relationship with their teen, right? So frequently what I'm trying to ultimately get to is that you cannot teach what you do not know. And the thing is that when you don't realize that suppressing what you were feeling growing up doesn't allow you to process it, and if you can't process it, then you are essentially relying on the fear part of your brain being triggered all the time through this beautiful being called your teen. So I will frequently end up telling parents that your teen is essentially your Yoda. They are your spiritual guide. And so if you can switch your thinking of the things that are bothering you that they do are really a question that should be asked rather than a, a disciplinary, more likely a punishment action. So when your teen is doing something that bothers you, and again, this is just one point of entry, obviously it ends up repeating with regards to your spouse and other people. But if your teen is doing something that bothers you, the thing that I'm trying to teach them to ask is, why does this bother me? What is this doing to me? Why does this bother me? And when we can ask that question, instead of react in a way that tries to, um, suppress or deny the activity then what we end up doing is learning about ourselves and you know that emotional growth is powerful yeah i want to piggyback off that because inevitably uh hurt people 
her people. And it's really simple. And so when you come from an environment, <clears throat> and you come from an environment where it's that you are in a toxic relationship, you grow up in a toxic relationship, and now this relationship becomes normal. And now you have this normalcy um, going on, and you leave the house, and you think that this is how relationships are supposed to go. When yep. you're in a um, relationship, and it's generational, and sometimes, um, me being from the inner city, there's a lot of negative, negative things that are taught. <clears throat> and, um, and you have to understand that um, this is just one viewpoint of, of life. And there's other viewpoints and other, other messages that you can take in from other, you know, other uh, subcultures or other people or other mentors. But a lot of times, just like welfare systems, there's third generation people who are on welfare. And so they're just teaching these type of behaviors because a lot of this is environmental. So if you come into a relationship and you're from a single parent household and you had the father or you had the mother who promised that they were coming and they never came and you're used to abandonment issues. So now you're in relationships and you are fearful of relationships because now you have commitment issues because of the, the, the abandonment that you have uh, experienced in your lifetime. Now you hand that down to your children and they hand that down to their children and you're building a toxic system within your family system. And there's no way to, to just, okay, now you want to bring your child to me and you're saying that your child doesn't want to do their homework that your mm -hmm. child is dis disconnecting from their responsibilities because they have learned abandonment issues within their, the system within your household. And you just want me to work with the child. But oftentimes we have to work with the whole system. If something's mm -hmm. wrong with your engine, pouring more oil into it is not gonna fix the engine. We have mm -hmm. to disassemble the whole engine and put it together. And that's how the family system um, um, strategy yeah. works. Yeah. No, that, that was a, and so when you, when you send building these systems, uh, and, and I think I'm hearing both of you all saying that you gotta, uh, you gotta attach yourself to the whole of the problem and not just the, the conduct or the behaviorism of what a child has done, what the team, what this human has done, mm -hmm. uh, this practicing adult, like they're practicing until they become adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so when you, when our, our families, receptive of that when you're saying hey i need to kind of do some housekeeping i need to do some inventory because i imagine you guys do inventories uh before you're able to get into it to get find out about that family background so are the families receptive uh dr smith do you find them receptive no families are are really <laughs> receptive to saying that oh you want me to fix your child but first I have to bring you in because I have to help fix you. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you, where did you get this from? Oh, your parents. Okay. And, and people take that personal. And oftentimes no one wants to admit that they have a generational issue or, some, or their parents are talking the wrong way or they are doing something wrong when they, in, a, in a heart of hearts. They really are feeling like um, that they're doing the best job that they can do. And um, so they feel attacked uh, oftentimes. And then once mm -hmm. a person feels attacked, they go on the, the defense. Mm -hmm. And so this is what you're getting. You're getting this, the, the defense. And, you, and I got to get through all this mortal combat mm -hmm. in order to change the system, in order to assist the child 
so they will maybe possibly stop cussing the teacher out or stop biting their 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 their, uh, their cohorts at school or stop fighting or things of that nature. Yeah. So when you bring the they're bringing the car to the shop, the child to your office, and they're saying, "Hey, go ahead and fix the child." Uh, looks like it's going to be a new engine there. We need to put in there. Whoa, I just want to change my tires. No, we can't just change it. No, we can't. <laughs> yeah. And do you find that, uh, is that very similar on your end too, Dr. Argentala? Absolutely. One of the things that I'll um, do is I'll have people read the four agreements. And it's, uh, to me, it's just a really good first brick. One, because... Not everybody loves to read, and I get that. Not everybody has a lot of time. Um, the book is maybe about 115 pages, 135 by the time you add the meditative um, appendices at the end. And it's like two hours on Audible. But this book, The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz, it has um, the first agreement is to be impeccable with their word, right? How you speak to yourself, how you speak to other people, how you participate in speaking about others through the way of gossip, right? So if I can get them to see that written on a page and then reflect, this is teaching reflection, right? It's like, hmm, I kind of do that. I see how that works. I got it. And then the second agreement is not to take things personally, right? Oftentimes when someone is talking to us, because we have wounded parts of us, the wounded parts are the ones that get flared up, which is what we're defending, right? If I can teach that in a third party way, then by the time I say, you know, I think maybe it's not you today that's being hurt. I think it's triggering you from back when you were younger and your interaction with your parents, right? And so then there, it's a little bit softer to land. It doesn't mean they don't get upset. It's just a little bit softer to land, right? It's almost like a, a pre-treatment, a pre if you will, before we put you in the wash. Um, the third agreement is to not make assumptions. And I think we make a lot of assumptions all the time. You did that to me because you don't like me, because you don't love me. I can assure you that almost every child is feeling like the interaction between their child and themselves um, and their parent is stemming out of the parent being disappointed in who the child is. And that's where we set up the root of shame, right? If you can't blame the parent for their behavior and hold them accountable because you don't know enough to hold them accountable, then the only thing you can come up with as a two-year-old, a three-year-old is essentially, it must be me. And so that's where you start the constant, it must be me, it must, it must be me. And I think that that becomes an important part of asking, what is, why, how do I get you to have the courage to clarify what's going on so that you can actually understand that it is not you who's causing that, right? And of course, these things that I want them to practice with their parents are things I want them to practice with everyone, including future dates, right? That's, this is where all this is leading to, right? <laughs> and then the final um, agreement is essentially um, do your best at the previous agreements. Always know that you're doing your best at the previous agreements, right? Depending on whether you're tired or hungry or, you know, you understand something, don't understand something. And I always tweak that for them to say, always know you are doing your best. Always know you are doing your best. And, you know, Maya Angelou had that quote, you do what you do until you know better. And when you know better, you do better. And if I, that, that simple phrase is repeated, right? They'll literally say to me, like, sometimes I just hear your voice saying that. Um, because what I'm trying to do is instill a self-compassion that allows them to hear the, the constructive criticism, 
so that they can learn and grow rather than hear and defend, right? If I can switch that, then they can spend more energy saying, what don't I know, rather than don't tell me what I don't know, <laughs> you know, which is the defense. And so usually sort of having that third party <laughs> softening, and even if they don't read it, they're going to hear me repeat the four agreements constantly to the point where they'll want to read it, <laughs> is that they, um, they start to realize, oh, that's taking it personally. Oh, that's when I'm making an assumption. Oh, I'm not being impeccable with my word. So yes, when you tell your daughter, um, I'm not going to make it now, but I'll make it when I'm done drinking my coffee, that is not being impeccable with your word. When you say, give me five minutes to finish drinking my coffee, and I promise I will start making your waffles, that's being impeccable with your word. Now, it's also, now she doesn't have to make assumptions. It's also, now she doesn't have to take it personally when you've taken, you know, 10 minutes, you know? Now all this stuff can happen that wouldn't have happened before if they weren't impeccable with their word. But when they can hear those four things going over and over again, what starts to happen is it's just a foundation I can use to offer constructive criticism without them feeling like I'm judging or criticizing or blaming, which is essentially all the things they grew up seeing, right? They didn't see anybody take responsibility. They didn't see anybody say, I'm sorry for hurting your feelings. That was not my intention, but it does not make it all right. They didn't see anybody be able to say, you know, I could have done that better. You know, you're right. You're right. And so because nobody saw that, they don't know it exists. And so that becomes so important to model that for them. And that's what I'm constantly trying to do is model that for them so they can see it differently. But thank you, Dr. So like that, those are some really interesting points because I think it's, a, it's a, it, you gave us a lot of things at, at one time that I, I you probably actually got into some of our other questions. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> save some for later, Dr. O, save some for later. Um, but but um, I, you and Dr. Smith brought up two important perspectives, mm -hmm. which is how we receive feedback. And yeah. so um, that, that difficulty we have in being able to hear others give us feedback about ourselves. Um, it is easy for us to say, oh, our kids aren't doing these things, but yeah. it's harder for us to be able to say, and they learned it by watching me. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and it's hard, it's so hard. Yeah. And it, I think that if we're not saying that with love and compassion, they don't know that, that you're doing it out of love for them. And sometimes I have to be that clear. I say this with love and absolute mm -hmm. respect for how hard you're trying. Absolutely. We can do this better. Absolutely. Attorney Winters, I think you had uh, the next question. Uh, well, yeah. So, um, and, I, and I'll start this one with Dr. Smith. Uh, you know, kind of when you, when we hear, hear these uh, kind of, these old sayings about uh, what kind of, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, then it gets kind of put to the house. What happens in the house stays in the house. I'm out telling people our business, but on the other hand, frequently invite family and friends into our relationship when there's conflict. Uh, I'd like to explore those dynamics about keeping a relationship private versus sharing. What is occurring with family and friends and, and what are the pros and cons of both sides of, of what some sort of healthy balance uh, uh, that we can use to support our relationships? Because you know, if you tell, you know what I've learned in my life, what I, I think is true, uh, and you guys can help us unpack it, is that if you share uh, negativity with your friends or your family about your partner, um, mm -hmm. and you know about what's going on in your relationship, 
you may forgive your partner and move on. It's just the next thing that you're just venting, but then they have an outrageous anger against that person that they can never really get over. They're not even in a relationship, but they can't get over the pain that was apparently put on you in that moment. What's the balance uh, when we, you know, invite our families and friends into our relationships, and how do we how do we strike that that balance, Dr. Von Smith? Oh wow, that you know that's a great question and it's very complicated <clears throat> because there's a such thing as support systems, and every every person <clears throat> on this planet needs a support system. We as people need support. We need support in our relationships, um, especially uh, black relationships where we don't. Uh, our failure rate is higher than <laughs> it's higher than most. Um, you know, our divorce rate in the black community is at ooh, I think the first time that um, um, black people get married is probably at the, the 50, 60 percent. Second time you get married is it goes up a little higher, and the third time that a person gets married is even higher. And and so when you're talking about having people in your relationship, we've always been taught from a black dynamic culturally to keep your business to yourself. Um, and oftentimes that's because we're embarrassed of being judged and we're embarrassed of maybe um, people looking at us in, in a different light. Uh, I often say that if you have a support system and they are helping you navigate through your relationship, then it's all right to give them things that you're trying to work on, that you're trying to solve. Because I believe in being solution focused. And so solution focus is one of my orientations when it comes to couples. If this is you just venting, um, maybe you need to get a, a psychologist or some, a psychiatrist or a counselor so you can vent so it doesn't blow up your relationship. Because a lot of times blowing, you, know, you, you tell people things in good faith it gets out and it harms your relationship. And this is not just relationships with uh, men and women. This could be relationships with women and women, relationships with men and men, you know, it's just relationships in general. And so you have to look at your relationships as it's a, uh, it's a diamond and you want to safeguard this diamond. And you're only taking it to a jeweler who's going to polish this diamond that you trust. And, you know, so the relationship is, 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 um, it's just like that. So um, that's a very complicated um, question that, um, that you pose because people, people's support systems are different. And, um, and but I, I always tell people to look at your relationship as being a, a precious jewel and you're just not going to just throw your, your pearls to swine. And that's a, I never thought about I only thought about that question from a, the interior, how do you keep the gossip and all of that from breaking it down? But I never thought about it vis-a-vis -vis the high, enormous divorce rate, and even past the divorce rate, the enormous amount of kids that are growing up, you know, the reverberating effect of all of this, are kids growing up without a, uh, both parent, biological parents in the household, and then, so all of these layers, they got all of that to unpack. Oh man, what, what are your thoughts on this, Doctor? You, you, you just blew my mind there, Doctor Smith. You put so much more back on me. Doctor, oh, how do you feel about that? Well, one of the things I, I really like that Doctor Smith said was about 
using a therapist as somebody to vent to instead of a friend. <laughs> and I think that that is, um, it becomes so important because then the, the venting I've found doesn't really work as well as the processing. And I don't know that friends always know how to process since they want to be your ally. And so if you try and challenge them, they don't really perceive it very well. Oh, so I see you're on their side, right? Then that's the kind of response that you might get. Whereas if you're doing that with someone who's safe, like your therapist, then what happens is you can get out of it what you need while gently being challenged to think about well, where do you find your own growth in this? Like, what do you think your part may have been? Since it always takes two to tango, what, what do you think might be your part? And I think that that's a, a really important part of um, being able to keep in a, a relationship together because the whole point of that relationship is that now that we're adults, we have recreated, unfortunately, usually relationships of our childhood in the hopes that now as adults we have more power right whereas we felt helpless when we were children so usually when I go to a parent of a teen and I ask tell me how your current husband may be like your dad and there is the ding 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 and so then when you sit there and you go well so now when you see that and we see how you're behaving we have a really good crystal ball as to what's happening with your kid. And so that way we can um, start to change things a little bit differently. It, it really puts um, a more severity on why the therapy, right? And why not just repeating what you know? Because again, you can't teach what you don't know. And if you never learned it because we're too busy suppressing because it was too painful, well, then all you know is what you saw. You don't know anything else. So I think I can't stress that enough to really get a therapist to vent because it, it will save the relationship because you're, you're now growing every time you're triggered instead of just repeating the same cycle. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's, that's spot on. Uh, man, that, that was, that was very illuminating. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I want to say to you both, um, Thank you for not taking long to go ahead and plug therapy uh, during, this, <laughs> during this podcast. Uh, we, one of the things that uh, we definitely try to promote is, is skills. We want people to be able to take away uh, positive things from this podcast. And, and there are fewer things more positive to me than therapy. And I think you all hit it right on the head, both of you. Um, had the same opinion with this one, which is, look, we, we all need to vent. We need to express ourselves. There are going to be conflicts in our relationships. And I like Dr. Smith, how you, how you said, these aren't necessarily all partner relationships. These could be coworkers. <laughs> these could be friends. How do we manage these things? Um, but yeah, I get, I get a better perspective, as you said, Dr. O, because I'm growing now if I talk to this therapist versus if I just go to my friends who, I don't know about you all, but my friends always think I'm right. Um, so uh, that <laughs> that probably is not real helpful in terms of my growth because uh, I'm not always right uh, and definitely get things wrong. Um, but the, I think we can't even have this conversation about how we deal with challenges in our relationships without being able to put this forgiveness piece out, right? Mm -hmm. um, forgiveness is tough. Uh, we have a lot of people that struggle with being able to, one, give a sincere apology. Mm -hmm. um, 
to, uh, you all alluded to this earlier, be able to receive that feedback about ourselves that we messed up um, and we hurt mm -hmm. someone, even if it wasn't our intention. Um, and then three, because it makes us uncomfortable when we hurt people we love, we don't want to stay in that space. We want, uh, one of my good friends used to say, when we mess up, we want grace. When mm -hmm. other people mess up, we want to nail them to the cross. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that struggle with being able to figure out how to forgive. And then when the hurt is so deep, these generational hurts, as you guys have been alluding to, then how do I forgive this person who has hurt me multiple times throughout my my life. So can you guys answer all four of those questions that was posed <laughs> in one? Yeah, I'm going to answer a part of it, hopefully. Um, a lot of times forgiveness comes from com communication. And I, I just think that when you're in a toxic relationship, you notice that the communication is off. Like you can't communicate with this person. You can't, no matter if you even try to formulate a plan on, on communication, um, I often teach um, couples and or even people how to argue, right? The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse by John Gottman. Gottman, yep. <laughs> the first thing is criticism. Um, you have to work on your criticism. Sometimes constructive criticism is good, but negative criticism is, is, is going to break your relationship down. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is contempt and, and, you know, mocking a person or, you know, uh, and, and then the, the third thing is defensiveness, being defensive. And we just talked about that. So now I can't get through your wall to connect to you to, to find out what the real issue is. And the last thing is stonewalling. You know stonewalling. You just got to, you know, you're not even caring. No, you know, no love, no reaction. Um, you're not going to give any information. You're just going to stonewall a person. You're not going to talk. And things of that nature. So these are negative, toxic uh, 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 characters or characteristics that we bring into relationships that make our relationships even more toxic. So we talk about um, trying to break down these these barriers in order to get to uh, a, a place where you can feel comfortable with apologizing about something that you might have done. Because if you're talking to me correctly and I see that the relationship, the, the conversation is flowing in a way, then I can see within myself, maybe some things that I have done and it's easier for me to apologize. But if I have all of these, all of these characteristics of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling running rapid within my being, within my character, it's how can I apologize? Because now I am on some, on this narcissistic journey. And so you have to be very careful with that because it's hard to see within when you have a lot of these barriers uh, uh, coming into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Dr. O, uh, thank yeah. you for that, Dr. Smith. I love the four horsemen. Thank you for bringing yeah. that one in. <laughs> yeah, I love the four horsemen too. I love yeah. that one. <laughs> Go get that counsel. <laughs> plug it, plug it. <laughs> and, and I want to fold the four horsemen into because I feel, I feel like we do that with everybody, right? We have those toxic relationships with everyone. And then I always fold in, um, you know, Dick Schwartz's internal family systems because I want people to be aware of the wounded child of when we were younger. The patterns that were repeated then are what didn't allow us to really trust ourselves. And so what ends up happening is part of the toxicity of you hurt me is that 
I allowed myself to be hurt again. And so it becomes less about what the other person has done. It's that can we forgive ourselves for putting ourselves in that situation over and over and over again, being hurt by this person and yet not feeling lovable without that person. And so what I've often asked somebody to do is, can you be there for yourself? Can I teach you how to use the self of who you are, which as Schwartz would say is, and many practices actually say, is always compassionate, kind, loving, patient. It's always those things. So it doesn't look at the wounded child and say, I'm so ashamed of you. I don't want to act like you exist. It says you didn't deserve to be treated that way. And when you can do that for yourself, I don't need anything from you. All of a sudden, I can see how your wounded child was treating you that way. It wasn't your intention to hurt me, right? And then all of a sudden, you can forgive yourself. Once you can forgive yourself and you're not walking around with the burden, it's a lot easier to go forward with the communication and not having the four horsemen and, like, you know, not doing all those things. So I just think that so much of that is self-work, you know, and... One of the ways that I've absolutely used, I always use the president because everybody knows who the president is, but I feel like he is such an example of a wounded child like on fire every day. And so when you can see, again, to use what Dr. Smith said earlier, hurt people hurt people, you can't take his stuff personally (laughs) because this man was never loved, not a day in his life. That's what it looks like. So if anything, he's a walking advertisement for therapy, you know? Another plug for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, uh, uh, as we've unpacked thus far in this tips for uh, eliminating too much toxicity uh, as we try to help people in our in our own defense uh, podcast, I think this gets us to a good stopping point for a quick break uh, because I don't want these lessons to be lost that we're, that we're getting here about these unhealthy familiar relationships, those patterns of violence. We've been discussing some of that uh, the family dynamic, how do you reach back and how do you, you, you fix the whole or at least try to structure the whole in order to prepare and fix uh, working with the, with the youth, uh, the child or the offsprings or the, or the components of that family. Right? And, and as we break right here into this, uh, we'll be right back on In Our Own Defense podcast. Uh, we're here today joined by Dr. Uh, Ogantala and uh, Dr. Smith uh, with Dr. Tarver and I. And we'll be right back after this uh, quick break. Thank you.